0: All right. Well, the children are departing, going to their particular time to learn about God further. And we are sitting here this morning, going to open our Bible to Proverbs chapter 22. And to turning to Proverbs today, the question to start with our discussion, our message is this. What is in the name? What's in the name? That's a famous quote from Shakespeare's play Romeo and Juliet. Now, I'm not Really, a Shakespeare person. I mean, I don't know anything about any particular play. To even find out that was a quote, I had to Google it and find you know what reference that was from, one particular play, and so forth and so on. But I did find that the phrase was written written by William Shakespeare in the play Romeo and Juliet. In the play, I learned that Juliet and Romeo are from two particular feuding families who will not approve of the two couple, the Romeo and Juliet, being together. But yet they meet, obviously, Romeo and Juliet meet, and they fall in love. And their names then become a bit of an issue. So during the the midst of all that, Juliet says, what's in a name? That which we call a rose, but any other name would smell just as sweet. Which then what she means is that her name does not define her. She would be the same person no matter what name she was given. In other words, Juliet was saying that her name had nothing to do with who or what she was. Just as the beauty and aroma of a rose are the same no matter what you may assign to it a name or may call it, the rose is just the same. It smells just as pretty and as, as, as just wonderful as any other name given to it. Juliet was saying, "I'm my own person." which is kind of true when you think about it. I mean, Julia's philosophy really is, is kind of accurate. I mean, we ask what's in a name, she's kind of right. I mean, no matter what name is assigned to it, it doesn't make it identify itself just by that name. For example, I mean, my name is Kurt, but to define who I am, I could be called, well, not Dan, but I could be called Bob or Roger or John, and I would still be who I am. My name was not necessarily defining me for who I am going what I stand for. But then again, names are important, are they not? I mean, I was once told that there is nothing sweeter to a waiter or a waitress than to identify them by name while you're dining. So I guess we could ask then, well, what is a name? And the answer should be this then, that the name is a title by which one person is designated from another. It is a way, secondly, for us to tell people, places, and things apart. But a name is more than what we just call somebody. I mean, a name really even distinguishes cities and countries and states, even so far as distinguishing buildings and schools and libraries and much more. So what's in a name? I mean, I guess quite a bit. But does a name, your name, or any name really matter? I mean, after all, Juliet rhetorically asked and answered what's in the name and said that which we call a rose, but any other name would still still smell just as sweet. So today, then, we discuss the question, what's in the name? And in general, names. Now, we're going to land, as you may already know, on a name that is so breathtaking, so perfect, so much higher than any other name, it becomes a name which every person's tongue shall confess, and every knee shall bow. Now you probably know what name I'm thinking of referring to. Before we reveal the name, we're going to read a little bit of Proverbs chapter 22, and then lead into the most powerful name, the name above all names. So stand with me this morning, if you're able to, as we dig into the scripture, and refer to a proverb. And we're going to find in Proverbs chapter 22, we're going to read six verses. We're not going to necessarily keep on all six, but we're going to read six verses of the 22nd Psalm. And here's what the word says to us this morning. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And its favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is richer in honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Train up a child in the way she goes. Even when he is old, he will not depart. Father, Lord, we thank you for this reading today. We thank you for the message we shall receive, Lord, that you planted my heart last week. And we pray, Lord, that we receive this name as we're talking about it, Lord. We, we, We know, we're gathered here today in the name of Jesus, Lord. We know the name above all names is certainly your son, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that perhaps this message will give us that great reminder we need to honor, to glorify your name, the name. That every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. Lord. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Again, so we're reading from the 22nd Proverb. The book of Proverbs, you may know, has 31 Proverbs in its entirety. And we're picking up a portion of the 22nd Proverb, which actually has then within it itself 29 verses. But the 29 verses of this 22nd Proverb. Just has this like this chock full of parental advice, insight, good judgment, and just general knowledge that's very helpful. In fact, my favorite Bible translation, which happens to be the New American Standard, actually captures the essence of Proverbs 22 by calling it on life and conduct. Now obviously of the twenty-nine verses within the twenty-second Proverb, I've only read six verses, but perhaps you can read more of it later and get some of that helpful insight that is just gleaned through that particular chapter, so second Proverbs. But if you do read it, you're going to be both enriched and enlightened. I'll tell you that in the beginning because there's other verses that just also speak to you. Like, for example, uh, chapter 22, verse 9, which says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. I like verse 15 also because says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from which mean, just a lot of helpful information, insight, knowledge, just good judgment that you can find in the twenty second Proverbs. But our key focus today, as I read six verses, is really upon verse one. And we go back to it now to read it again. And we see it says a good name, and we talk about names here today and what's in the name, this is a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. So you look upon the verse, and, and the verse is basically really just kind of self-explanatory. And it says, having a good name or integrity and character and reputation is far more important than wealth and riches. There's one commentary I was reading last week said it. Having a good name that is an honorable reputation cause a good character is to be valued far above having much wealth. Riches are useless if in gaining them one ruins his character. So I love what we can gain just by looking at one verse when we talk about what's in the name. But also ask myself the question: Does chapter 22 of Proverbs, verse 1, which we're focusing upon, does it answer the question about what's in the name? And I answer to some extent, perhaps it does, as a proverb does very well to establish the fact that your name, your name, our name, should equate to a solid reputation and good character. It does establish the fact that we should have a name to equate to a solid reputation and a person of integrity and good character. But when you think about it, not all names equate to good character or a reputable, honest person in reputation. And you can take some Bible names, for example, as just proof. I mean, Jacob. When you hear the name Jacob, if you know who Jacob is, you basically think of the fact that he's a deceiver. He's a bit of a manipulator. He was a trickster. In the Old Testament, there's a person named Nabal, whose name actually means fool or senseless one. In the book of Ruth, in chapter 1, verse 3, you find her sons are Melon and Kilion, which means to fall sick, or one fallen. Isaac's name is associated with laughter. And we can find many, many more names that sometimes give indication of the person or character not always good and reputable. But even further, we can find names written in Scripture that are just because of their actions just shout out evil, like Jezebel or Haman or King Herod or Judas. You know, I don't find, as they drive the bus to school and, and with kids all day long, you don't find these names being used in, for children to be born today. You find names like Elijah or Charlotte. I mean names that are better identified with maybe what the parent thinks about their child forthcoming. So again we ask the question in this morning. What's in a name? We find that some names mean something, not always a good thing, and some names we just don't use anymore, like Judas or Jezebel. So what's in a name? You know, many of you know my grandchildren. You know Mike, of course. He's here every time. But it's also Anna and Jasper. Anna and Jasper will come occasionally on Wednesday. Jasper comes more than Anna, but they go to a different church on Sunday in Princeton. But as it should be with grandkids, particularly my grandchildren, I love to spoil them. We often stop at Casey's or perhaps the Fast Break Marathon store out by Marathon, if I'm coming back on the bus in the afternoon, Jasper always was a nofish snack day. They ride the bus three days a week, and on the last day they ride the bus in that particular week, I will stop at the Walmart or at the fast break marathon store by Walmart and indulge them into some sort of drink in the snack. He looks forward to that each and every day. I would break his heart if I didn't. So I I spoiled them. I admit it. I spoiled my grandkids. I give them a drink, a snack, and I spoil them abundantly. But I also like to tease them. I like to give them a little hard time. Now, Micah is kind of bigger than Anna and Jasper. I mean, Micah, I mean, what are you, 6'4 now? 6' what? 6'3. So like I said earlier, because Mike is a little bigger, I don't mean to pick on him as much, but I do remind him there's a time I could take him down at will, and sometimes I still tell him I can but I'm kind of kidding myself I think when I tell him that. But it still sounds good to say it, Mike. I'm gonna take you down whenever I want to. It sounds good to say it. But I can't really pick on him, but Anna and Jasper, are much smaller, I can pick on them. I mean, it, 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 they're easy prey. All right. And, and so I do pick on them a little bit. I give them a hard time. Of course, I'm spoiling them. But here's what I'm going with. Recently, as I was picking on them, I gave them new names. I gave them the name of Dumb and Dumber. I know. It, it almost sounds kind of cruel, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it's a sign of affection, though. I mean, it'd be like a, a, if I went to Sheila and called her Heifer. Okay? It, it, it's not any illustration of what she is. It's a sign of love and affection. So I'm I'm calling now Jasper and Anna, I'm calling them dumb and dumber, okay? It it sounds cruel, but it's kind of nice. It's not mean. It just sounds mean, okay? But here's the thing. In teasing them of becoming dumb and dumber, they've kind of adopted it. So Jasper will be in the house, like he'll come in this afternoon at the house, and I'll say, here comes dumb. He'll say, I'm not dumb. Anna's dumb. No, wait a minute. No, I'm dumb. She's dumber. They they want to be identified as dumb, not dumber. Jeff, Jeff would get on the bus. It would be me and him and Anna on the way back to Princeton because I go out in the country. I'll come back and he says, Papa, I'm dumb. Anna's dumber. And Anna will say, no, I'm dumb. You're dumber. It's hilarious. So I've given it the new names. And again, it's not cruel. It's not mean. We're just having fun with it. I've got the name Pumpo, that's all I need. Mean. But I've never seen two children so quick or anybody for that matter to want to call themselves dumb. It's hilarious. So I've given them these new names. Dumb and dumber. Alright? So I ask myself then, well, what's a new name? and what's really in a new name for that matter? I mean, we're talking about names. What's we'll in a new name? I mean, many people have a nickname. But that's not really a new name. I used to hunt with a guy named Blue. In fact, I can't even remember his real name. But we called him Blue. We called him Blue because in Texas we have a lot of Blue Bell ice cream, and he loved Blue Bell ice cream so much so that he ate it so often his nickname became Blue. My dad's nickname was Peach. His real name was Wayne Eugene Beaver. But nobody knew him by Wayne. Everybody knew him as Peach. Now, I wasn't around when he got the nickname Peach, which everybody knew him by. But the story is, as I'm told, that when he was a younger boy, he was exchanging shotgun ammunition for peaches at the market. So he would take his dad's ammunition, go to the market, buy some peaches with the ammunition. And so they started calling him Peach. I was very true to this story. Mom's not here today, to verify it or not. But That's what I'm told. His name was Peach. People knew him by Peach. So we have these nicknames given The Rock is really Dwayne Johnson. Muhammad Ali is really Cassius Clay. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is really Ferdinand Louis Alcindor. Madonna is just known as Madonna. Cher is known as Cher. Beyonce is Beyonce. But entertainers and singers, movie stars, they're, they're not exempt from getting these new names. John Cougar was actually John Mellencamp. Let so me think of who's John Cougar. Roman Reigns, who is an entertaining wrestler, is actually Joseph Anoa'i. Elton John, real name is Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Bruno Mars is actually Peter Gene Hernandez. So we have all these names given to people. So we ask him, what's in the name? I mean, and we have all these new names sometimes given to people. So we ask ourselves, well, are we going to get a new name or our name change? We see in Scripture, sometimes that happens. Abraham's name came from Abram. His wife, Sarai's name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. His grandson, Jacob's name changed to Israel. See, we're asking them what's in the name. We always have people who have changed their names. So now we ask ourselves, well, what about you? What about me? Or, or Will our name change? And rather interestingly, there is a reference to having a new name. In the letter to the church at Pergamum in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus said in verse 17, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I have give some. Of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. What's well, an interesting verse? I mean, is the verse, I mean, I'm taking it out of context somewhat, yes, but is the verse suggesting that every overcomer, every faithful follower, will be given a new name? And we don't have time, maybe, to adequately improperly analyze the verse and maybe answer the question, but according to some scholars, the new name is essentially your association to Christ himself, or better worded as the new believer's identity in Christ. Paige Patterson, seminary professor of mine I had years ago, summed the new name in this manner. He says, to assign to the overcomers of Pergamum a name that no one but the recipient of the name new is not only... To suggest the authority of the divine Christ over the believer, but also to establish a personal intimacy with the individual believer. N.T. Wright states it a bit differently. He says, Jesus is promising to each faithful disciple, to each who conquers an intimate relationship with himself, in which Jesus would use the secret name, which, as with lovers, remains private to those involved. So notably, then, whatever the situation may be in new name or just given your current name, it should always, it is always associated with Christ. Think about that. Your name, whatever your given name is, even maybe what your nickname may be, what people know you by is always associated with Jesus Christ. Your name should be directly linked to Jesus. As in, I'm Terry, a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of the King. Or I'm Marcia, a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of the King. Or I'm Caleb, a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of the King. Whatever your name is, no matter what it may be, every name should be associated, should be directly linked to Jesus Christ. Because every faithful follower, every faithful follower has his or her name Associated with Jesus. And we can even ask ourselves, well, why is that? It's because we're Christians. We are identified with Christ. So we ask the question, and maybe this question, I mean, what does it mean then? I and mean, if someone calls you a Christian, what does that even mean? Or other questions perhaps mean do you understand the significance of bearing the name of Christ because your name truly is linked to Jesus? Or does it mean the same thing to you that your name is linked to Christ as did those early believers? As people connect you and think of you as being a Christian, connecting your name to Christ, is it really then a badge of honor or do you view it as an embarrassment? We should reflect upon those questions and ask ourselves. But in order to, for us to know what it means really to be a Christian, we must understand what's in a name. And obviously, Bible names all the time are symbolic. We mentioned a few earlier that have some names of special meaning. But we can take it one step further. When the essence of the individual, all the time in Scripture, was captured in the name. When God created Adam. He gave him such a name because in Hebrew, Adam is man. Eve was created, and her name means mother of all living. Even further in the Old Testament, we see parents choosing names for their children to reveal their particular nature. I mentioned Jacob earlier. I mean, Jacob, we associate Jacob's name with being a manipulator, a deceiver, even a supplanter. But Jacob was so named because his hand was on his brother Esau's heel. So Jacob's name literally meant heel catcher. His brother Esau, who was hairy, was so named because he was red and hairy. The name Judah means praise. The name Samuel means ask of God. We mentioned Abram, which became Abraham, which means a falter, father of the multitude. Sarai, again, Sarah, which means princess. Simon, name was changed to Peter, which means rock. Again, Saul's name was changed to Paul. So we could go on and on and on by many names. And see, then the many names, at least biblical names, have great importance. But we should recognize it's not just a biblical name with great importance. So does your name. Whatever your born God-given name may be from your parents, whatever that name may be, it still has great value and extreme importance because names are significant. Let me take marriage as an example. In marriage, the wife takes the name, the last name of the husband. And that is so because of the covenant relationship. And so taking the name of the husband, she identifies as one with him in this covenant they've made together. So observe then to call ourselves by a name Is to identify our allegiance. Stay with me here because as Christians, we're mentioned to be, we're often referred to as Christians. So the word Christian has the I-A-N at the end of the word Christ, which means belonging to. So a Christian is someone who belongs to Christ. Which makes perfect sense. Because when you think about it, when we come to Christ. We are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We call ourselves Christians and so identify with Christ. Therefore, again, your name has great value and importance. Names are significant. Names do mean something. They tell us who we are. There's this old adage that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, it's really not true. I mean, good names give us a positive self-image. But names that strike at the heart are bad names, and they hurt. So the central truth, then, of what we're finding here today, then, the theme really is this, then, in regard to names, they're both symbolic and significant. Again, they tell us who we are. And they identify our allegiance. Again, Why? Because every faithful follower, his or her name, whatever it may be, every faithful follower has his or her name associated with Jesus. We are one together with him. Remember, he is divine, we are the branches. John chapter 15, verse 5, I am divine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him. Even further, we have only one name which men are saved, after Acts chapter 12, 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is only in Jesus. Paul even declared in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So yes, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, as Paul wrote in chapter 10, verse 9, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved it's your name. It's you calling upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. Your name then, about that particular point in your life becomes directly linked to Christ. And your name, you, your name at that moment is written in the book of life. The book in which every name ever recorded for the entry into the heaven of the, the Father, that your name is your name written in the book of life. Does Jesus know your name? Do you know the name Jesus? I mean, remarkably, we we, we just think yes, we do. But remarkably, there's some people in the world today who do not know the name Jesus. Now, some are just mere stubborn. I mean, honestly, they've heard the name, they know of the name, but they're choosing not to recognize the name and that great sacrifice given for all of mankind. They're just being completely stubborn. They say they don't know the name Jesus. Really, they've heard it. They know it. Maybe their name should be changed to Nabal, which meant fool. But there are people, amazingly, who truly have not heard or know the name Jesus. I was talking in our Sunday school class earlier to the students about a trip I made back in 2014, about going to Thailand for a missionary journey. Now, the intent with going in seminary with some professors and other students to Chiang Mai, to Thailand, was to go to Chiang Mai University and to witness the students, mostly people who are Buddhist and Thai students, some Chinese, but mostly Thai, is to witness to them and to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't speak Thai; we had translators with us, and I told the students earlier. We had special Bibles given to them, which one side had English, the other side had the Thai language. So I could point to John 3.16 find that for them, hand them the Bible, and I could speak in English and they could write along with me and see in their language what was written in John 3.16. And we did this for over like 21 days on a missionary trip to Chiang Mai University in Thailand. But what I want to share with you is the fact that as i and the team I was with, with upon many days that we've been on Chiang Mai University of campus, amazingly, we'd walk up to a student who had never heard of Jesus. And you think, how is that possible? And, and the day in which we're living, with technology being what it is, how is a person never heard the name Jesus? And I don't know how they had never heard the name, but you could just tell with the dumbfounded look upon their face. They have never heard the name. So yeah, there's amazingly some people who have not heard the name, the name above all names, they had not heard the name Jesus. So our mission then was just to plant the name Jesus. And we have missionaries now who are out throughout the world, Heather and Rachel, and other missionaries who do the exact same kind of thing, planting the name, that great name of Jesus, to everybody who would be willing to hear it. They're trying to plant that name, Jesus, in the hearts of people. Why are they doing this? Why did I do it? Why are Heather dedicating her life to it and Rachel and others? Because, again, it is the only name. It's so powerful. It is the only name, the name of Jesus, in which mankind can be saved. It is the only name. Jesus has so much power within the name of Jesus. It is the only name in which every tongue will confess. Every knee shall bow. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So our question we've been entertaining now is what's in a name? And Jesus is the name above all names. The name Jesus actually means Yahweh or God's saved. It's a New Testament equivalent, if you will, of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua. And while others then Wore these names to honor God Jesus bore his name as the Savior God but the New Testament says he was it's important to see then this Jesus is I mean that is the name It's the name above every name on the face of the earth and, it, and the scripture reveals that we should honor the name Jesus he says three reasons that scripture reveals to us of why we should honor the name Jesus First of all, as we mentioned earlier and been emphasizing now, is the name by which all people will be saved, Acts 4, 12, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 recognizes the only name in which mankind can be saved, the name Jesus. And secondly, the reason we honor the name Jesus is the name that establishes the tone for everything a Christian does. Our name is directly linked to Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. And thirdly, again, as we just emphasize once more, it is the name at which one day in the future every knee shall bow, as written in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. There are people, especially when they are young, have you ever noticed this? There are people when they're young that may not like their name. The name is on their birth certificate. They just may desire to change. They don't like what was given to them by their parents. It's a petition to change it. Actually, by the way, maybe you've noticed, in the world today that name changing is directly tied to gender identification. At the church as that previously in Evansville, we had a young lady's name Angel that wanted us to call her Sebastian. There's a lady there now, a young lady whose name is Lauren, who wants to be called Ronnie. The Olympic champion, Bruce Jenner, is now Caitlin. I mean, it's a sad day and sad time in the world. We think about names, recognize how names today then are becoming irrelevant. I mean, almost meaningless. But we recognize how it wasn't always that way. As we mentioned earlier, in the Old Testament, particularly, a name stood for a person's reputation, their fame, and their glory. But today, I dare say that most people today don't even know what their name means. Now, you might want to do some research. You might find out and discover what that name actually means. But most people, they don't give it much thought. They almost could care less. Whatever the name is, they either accept it or they try to change it. They don't care as much anymore. Case in point maybe is Kanye West and Kim Kardashian had their firstborn son they named North. So it's Kanye West. So the boy's name is Northwest. I mean, how much thought was given into that? So names today are almost meaningless. I know it's funny, isn't it? Names are almost meaningless. But I want to leave you with this thought about names and how they really are important. Again, the central truth here is that in regard to names, they're both symbolic and are significant. They tell us who we are. They identify our allegiance. That's the key. Our name identifies our allegiance. We may be Kurt, Roger, Marcia, Mary, whoever, but people know you as a Christian. They know you, identify you with Jesus Christ. Our allegiance is with Christ. Jesus is the supreme name of all names. There is and always will be one name. Is, and always will be one name that stands above every name. Is the name Jesus. One name is more supreme than any other, and more directly associated with that name, the name Jesus. Some of you may well know the song by Bill and Gloria Gaither. The song is called, There's Something About That Name. In case you don't know it, I'll put the lyrics up here for you to be able to see it. It says, Jesus, 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 there's something about that name. Master, Savior Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 little all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms all pass away, but there's something about that name. It's a wonderful song, not elaborate in any means. It just tells you there's something about that name, the name Jesus. And there truly, truly is something about the name Jesus. From the time of his birth until now, Many have missed or just completely dismissed the significance of his name. In his childhood days, his neighbors just imagine, the neighbors knew Jesus simply as Joseph the carpenter's son. But we know how much powerful it is in that. In our generation today, many people know Jesus only as an expression of angry or profanity, which is highly sad. But today, recognize this, that you know the name Jesus as Lord. So praise him, love him, and honor him, and recognize that your name, whatever your name is, even the name of Crossroad Baptist Church, is directly linked to Jesus Christ. I like leaving the story, I'm going to tell you the story of the day of Alexander the Great that ran across last week. Is Alexander was a brilliant, if you know Alexander the Great, you already know this. That he was a brilliant strategist, a mighty conqueror. He was not only leader to the men, but he was a fearless in battle. Oftentimes, he would charge forth leading his men, riding mildly on his horse. He would hurl himself into the fray and be standing when everybody else had fallen. He was just amazing. He was known as a very courageous man. There was not a cowardly bone in this man's body. He conquered the known world of his day. And it was said that he wept when there was no more lands to conquer. That's Alexander the Great. But the story is of him sitting in the judgment on the battlefield. There he was, judge and jury. No one could dispute his word. His word was law. When he spoke, it would be done. So there on the battlefield, he would take his seat, flanked on either side by his most trusted officers and advisors. And before him would be brought all those people who had charges brought against them. Many times, his judgment would be extremely harsh upon these people, especially in a situation of desertion. And to left the battlefield, he was really harsh on them. So before him one day was brought a young lad. He was a fair-haired youth and very young. Alexander asked him the boy's name. He said, Boy, what is your name? The officer presenting him said, This is Alexander, sir. And once then the great general's countenance kind of softened. It was as if he was flattered that the boy was had his name. But his men then kind of sighed a, a sigh of relief. And perhaps thought, Will there be some leniency upon this particular young man? whatever his crime may be, because he's called Alexander. So then Alexander the Great then inquired to the nature why this boy, this young lad, was brought to front of him on what the charges may be. And the officer with him said, well, he fled in battle. He's a coward. And so, the once soft countenance of the great general was suddenly transformed into an intense, tight-jawed grimace looking at the boy squarely in the eye, he said to him deliberately, Son, what did you say your name was? The lad replied, Why, Alexander, sir. Speaking again to the boy, this time in a louder tone, he said, Young man, what is your name? The young man kind of answered and stuttered this time, It's Alexander. To that, the emperor then bolted off his throne, grabbed a terrified young man and said to him, Young man, Change your behavior or change your name. He didn't want his name associated with a young man and his behavior. He didn't want his name associated with someone who deserted the battlefield. He wanted his name to stand in honor and prestige and glory and power and might. Well, there is one name that does that. It's the name Jesus. And as we then find that our name is linked to Jesus, maybe we see then and reflect upon what happened with that little boy from Alexander the Great, that maybe we don't need to change our name because our name is associated with Jesus. Maybe we need to change our behavior or attitude or our thinking. Because now we realize there is significance in whatever our name is, there is significance in it. And the significance is not so much what your name is, but the fact that your name is linked to Jesus Christ. So yeah, maybe we do need to change something about our nature, our behavior, our attitude, or something that people see about us because they identify you as a Christian. Your name is linked to Christianity. It's linked to Jesus. And they should see something completely, positively different in the way of the world. There is one name that stands above every name. It is not Alexander. It is not Kurt. It is not Dan. It is only Jesus. Only the name Jesus. is the name which every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow. It's the name which we're linked to, we're connected to. Praise him, glorify him, and love him. Father, Lord, we thank you for this message today. As we learn, learned, we already knew it, Lord, about the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus. Lord, if anything we learn today is a fact, and maybe even remind me, that our name is linked with your son. We are Christians. We are believers. We are followers. We are disciples. Not just disciples, followers of just anyone. But we're disciples and followers of Jesus. So, Lord, today, let's reflect upon what that truly means. Let us change anything about ourselves that may be portrayed as negative to the world or maybe the world receives that as positive, but we we should view it, Lord, as something that even even be detrimental to the name Jesus and then want to change that about us so we can give him the glory that he rightly deserved. So let's reflect upon the name Jesus, what it means to us, and the name Christian and what that means to us. As so a move then about something ourselves, we should say today, Lord, we're pleased, we're honored to have the name Christian be associated with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this message today. We thank you for our Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.